0: Hey, hey, this is WP DevTable, this is our fourth week in a row doing it on a weekly basis rather than monthly. So props to everyone for being here every Monday in a row for four weeks. Uh, This week we're joined by Scott Kingsley-Clark, and Scott is going to be talking with us about the core fields API as well as a whole bunch of other good stuff. Uh, You can subscribe to us at WPDevTable.com. We have our iTunes stream for the actual podcasting. We're on Twitter, uh, email, subscribe, and probably everything else you could possibly think of. So be sure to subscribe and stay tuned uh, every week as we get new content going. Um, Let's see. Use our hashtag, AskWPDevs, on Twitter, uh, and we will answer your questions as we go through the podcast tonight. And uh, let's start this off. Jason, how's it going? Good.
1: Good. Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a developer, WordPress developer, surprisingly enough, um, that provides uh, development resources for design and marketing businesses. I'm also man behind WP Field Guides also. If you want to learn about best practices as a designer or beginner dev, um, that's where to go. Cool. Bronson, how about you?
2: Hey, my name is Bronson. I'm a senior WordPress engineer at HumanMade. Uh, we do uh, corporate sites, enterprise sites, uh, we do WordPress VIP work and specialize in all that kind of jazz. Um, and that's me. And what about yourself,
0: Tom? Uh, I work at Ali Interactive. I'm a principal software developer. We're a WordPress VIP agency focusing on uh, large news media sites and big nonprofits. Um, yeah, I think that kind of wraps me up. Scott Kingsley-Clark, how about we get your intro?
3: Uh, I am Scott Kingsley-Clark. Hey. hey. Uh, I work at 10Up. I'm a senior web engineer there. Um, and I do my bit, you know, work hard. <laughs> That's how I got the gig. You know, they knew my contributions to the community and everything, so uh, life is good.
0: That's always good to hear. So how did you get your start into WordPress, and, like, what were you doing before that?
3: Uh, before that, I built my own so I forked another CMS and and modified it heavily and bought the rights to it and distributed it myself and did a bunch of stuff. But that was before I actually realized what GPL stuff was. So I sort of paid a bunch of money for this CMS. Uh, it was open source, but it was still somewhat license heavy. So I wasn't able to do a whole lot with it. Um, but um, but yeah, so I, I got a gig at a company called Vision Interactive and. Uh, they had me jump right into a, um, a big project with, uh, with uh, e-commerce, and then right after that, they said, hey, we need to get our WordPress sites for our clients updated. They're all running these um, core-modified files, and we can't just upgrade them, so let's do that. And so during that process, I realized why they were trying to ha- hack core and... Uh, so, we tried to take some of those hacks out, find better alternatives for them, and then we sort of, as a company and for our clients, we started heading in the direction of um, more of a CMSY than just blog posts. So, we started ex- expanding our ideas and how we're going to expand WordPress into what eventually became known as custom post types. And um, yeah, from there, it was just a shot off like a rocket. <laughs> just, uh, didn't stop using WordPress, and now it's kind of awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's always been awesome, just varying levels of awesome, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you join Ten Up and what do you do there now?
3: Uh, I joined it about a year, year and a month ago, and um, I basically, I'm a senior web engineer, so that involves lots of uh, code review, making sure our team is producing good stuff, um, working on projects, being point guard on major sections of projects, uh, like I'm doing a big data migration right now, so lots of work, um, lots of uh, collaboration, cool stuff.
0: And you guys work in pods, right? That's what you call your teams?
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, they call them pods. They're basically little uh, self, uh, self-governing little structures of teams which have uh, you know, project managers, a team lead, uh, engineering manager, um, senior engineers, and there's just like their own little structures. And it's uh, basically they each of them are on their own island essentially from the company, but they're also all together. Like we are always in the same rooms as everyone else, so it's pretty easy to ping someone, hey, have you done this before? Hey, I've, I just did this. You should check it out, whatever. So it's pretty crazy. When I first joined, it's like, holy holy smokes. I just asked <laughs> someone a weird question and they knew it. Or like I answer all weird questions all the time myself. So it's, it's great to have that back and forth. And
2: Especially speaking of pods,
3: speaking,
2: speaking of pods, you've got another project called Pods. Can you tell us about that one? <laughs> well,
3: <Why, laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> uh, I'm the lead developer of the Pods framework plugin. Uh, it's been a—it re- was actually the first custom post type plugin for WordPress. Uh, I started developing on it with uh, uh, the company I worked at, Vision Interactive. When I first got into WordPress, we were headed down that direction, and some guy named Matt Gibbs came from Drupal over to WordPress and said, hey, we need CCK. So um, he started working on it, and I, my boss, thank, thanks be to him, uh, at the time he uh, he said, hey, you should check this, this Pods thing out. I heard about it from one of our clients who might want to use it on one of our projects. And so it was like a week or a week and a half after it was released. It was crazy that it just had uh, some random person like us had found it and known about it and realized it was what we wanted by that short period of time. But... Um, Right after that, I just started working with it a whole lot and sending Matt tons of uh, hacks and filters and actions and features and bug fixes and just uh, obliterating the forums with with help and support, and I just became like a a developer of the plugin, essentially, alongside of him, and we uh, had a lot of mutual respect for each other, and eventually uh, he had some other stuff he had to do, and uh, he gave me the reins of full leadership, and... So I've just basically been transforming it further and trying to uh, keep it alive and uh, keep it going.
1: Is it still under active development? Uh
3: yeah yeah it's it's been going for um, since 2009 so it's it's been out for a while and it's uh, we've gone from uh, I don't know how many users but uh, we're now somewhere around 30 or 40 thousand active installs. Um, from the wordpress.org stats, which is not to say very small, but also not to say very large. Like Advanced Custom Fields has like a ton, like hundreds of thousands, which is great because it's just much more far-reaching, easier to handle, where Pods is like very developer-focused, developer-oriented. Like you can create new custom tables inside of WordPress for storing your data and stuff. So there's like lots of really cool features built on top of Pods that at first glance, as someone just getting the WordPress, you may not be able to grasp. But we get a lot of people coming from other CMSs like Drupal or Joomla, uh, Drupal especially. A lot of people are like, hey, we really love pods. Thank you for this because we were really confused.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what does the development team look like for that? How many of you guys are working on pods?
3: Um, so I'm at the top lead developer. We've got another developer. His name is Phil Lewis, and he's doing um, a lot of uh, pods projects, uh, pods-related plugins that we're I- integrating with pods to extend it. Um, he's also doing cl- what we call client work or VIP work which is uh, he'll do projects in the name of pods and he'll build a clients and the clients pay pods we have a foundation company behind it so it's like a uh, basically he works he donates his time to pods and people end up donating to us for it so it helps us keep funded because we have also we pay him uh, a little bit to keep him going on pod support and pods coding and then we pay another guy support for uh uh doing lots of he's a project manager and um support lead his name is jim true he's been a blessing to the whole project and um yeah it's basically between the two of them they keep everything going and uh, it's great because i don't have to worry about you know major meltdowns or major issues during the day when i'm working at 10 up so pretty cool team that's a really cool
2: system yeah um, in terms of the extensions you mentioned there, what kind of ones? What what things have people built on top of Pods that maybe surprise you?
3: Um, real estate plugins. Um, I've seen some pretty interesting nonprofit work, nonprofit sector stuff, like extensive amounts of that actually. Uh, lots of um, lots of extending of the actual functionality to add some. I've seen some new field types. I've seen some different um, features, uh, example plugins, um, just a bit. And I wouldn't say it's it's reached its pinnacle yet. We're still working on making it easier for people and, and adding more things to make it uh, grow further. So we're still not, I don't think we're at the level we want to be, but I think we're at a level where we're not afraid of uh, too much people, too many people coming in asking for support like a plugin like ACF would have. Because uh, yep. you know, we don't have that many sites, so we don't have to worry about it basically taking over all of our efforts.
0: Yep. Pods had some really neat caching related stuff in it, right? With uh, edge side includes, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how that works.
3: Yeah, uh, interesting. You mentioned that because it's uh, it's it's a really cool feature. It's um, what we call pods views, and we use it inside of pods itself, um, but not for the caching part. It's for in, the including part. So basically. Uh, anywhere we where we call Pods View, you can actually overwrite and extend it with your own view, um, include your own file from somewhere else, and as a plugin, you can uh, override the field type outputs or uh, field types, list filters. There's lots of things. Almost all of I think every every everywhere we're including a file that is being output, we're using Pods View. Um, and what we do with Pods View is it's basically there's the the template handling, but there's the also Caching, so it basically lets you cache things based off the file and you pass additional arguments like a hashtag like so um, let's say you want to include your recent posts, so recent-post.php will come from your theme and you can put a hashtag category five or whatever. You can add other things to modify it or question marks. You can do that too. Um, You can pass parameters right into it, so it'll become localized variables. You can utilize in the theme, so if you want to include it's a lot. I see this a lot where people do include in a post loop instead of get template part because they, they're working with a localized post variable and they don't want to mess with the query. So you could pass that post variable right into it. And we also have uh, pods ajax views, which is a, a plugin I built that lets you um, ajax those views in on demand um, with the same features, but it just loads, loads the JavaScript first uh, whenever the site loads up. And then once the site loads, it lo- then loads in the actual view. So it um, can help on really large, complicated sites uh, that have too much going on, but they need it there. So
0: So that's partial page rendering, then?
3: Yeah, it's partial page caching, essentially. Um, And it's just super useful because you should get used to caching parts of your page anyways. And it's just an easy wrapper. It's built into pods, so if you're using pods, you can just immediately use it.
0: That sounds super nifty. And I, I was looking into a caching... Issue the other day, and uh, Edge Side Includes were something that seemed like they would work beautifully in this case. And the only reference I could see to Edge Side Includes in WordPress was Pods Views. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I was I was asking like uh, in track about Get Template Part and trying to extend it with other things like caching, for instance. And that's probably where you found it. But yeah, that's uh, it was a, it's a killer feature because uh, I mean if you have a huge, highly user intensive site where they're logged in you can't cache the pages because then you'll show, like, Joe to uh, Susie, or whatever. So you'll see lots of craziness happen there, but that's why partial page caching is super useful for that as well as things where um, you just don't need it often. You don't need to generate it often. Like maybe once a week a new post comes in, you generate it, it's there. So it's there for a week and then whatever. So you can do that for multiple things like external feeds and stuff, so it's pretty cool. Awesome.
0: So, uh, with pods being kind of like your first step into the custom fields in that area of WordPress, is that sort of what led into you being super interested in taking on the core fields initiative?
3: Yeah, Um, a lot of my work in pods It's not necessarily to evangelize pods itself. It's to evangelize WordPress. So we're trying to help bring developers from Drupal and Joomla and whatever else, Expression Expression Engine, and bring them over to WordPress, and they're a stepping stone on their way into WordPress. So um, a lot of times we'll have people, and they'll say, we need this feature, we need this, we need it to do this, and I'll say, hey, you probably are better off using this other plugin. So we, we oftentimes recommend other plugins, not just pods. And during that process, uh, to know what plugins to recommend, we came up with this spreadsheet. Uh, it's a, It eventually birthed a, a domain called comparedwp.org. And um, the spreadsheet just lists a bunch of um, custom field plugins that allow you to either add custom fields or um, content types because they're somewhat one and the same in, in many cases for a lot of people and what they need. But uh, but the spreadsheet, and I kept finding more plugins that did it. I was like, wow, there's more. And then I was looking at it, and two had just been added that week on the plugin repository. I was like, what's happening here? And I was like, just, it was crazy. So um, if you look at that spreadsheet, you'll actually see there's a bottom tab at the bottom of it, and you'll see that there's uh, some research I did uh, 2014 custom fields plugins. 109 total that I found just searching for what was it was at 20, 30 minutes trying to get some data. And there's there's various plugins here. There's ones that let you create custom fields for your uh, WordPress site. There's ones that have their own APIs and um, UI for their own fields inside of post types and things. So like there's a mishmash. But the problem is each one of these plugins has its own API, and every API has its own bugs and features and whatever else. But the problem is becoming we're now having all these different APIs, all these different options, all these users using different plugins, which is great, but they're all they all think that theirs is the best, and the problem is like ego. Like no one wants to just say, "Oh, hey, I, I like ACF. Let me add a feature. I'll contribute back." They'll say, "Oh, let me go build another plugin," or instead of using um, a plugin like Attachments or um, or a Custom Field Suite or Simple Fields or whatever there might might be you would then go build your own and say, I could do it better or I just want to do it better, and that's great, but the problem is it just keeps adding those APIs, and everyone wants to do it themselves, and there's namespace issues and all sorts of problems alongside that. So someone builds an API in 2014, and uh, let's say 20 people built APIs in 2014. In 2015, most of the people are like, I just, I only built up for that one project for that client. I released it, so people are using it now, but I'm not. I don't really want to support it. So someone wants to go from that plugin to another plugin, and then that becomes a big problem because maybe they store the custom fields in a totally different way. Um, trying to get those configurations out is a l- very hard. Um, so things like the like a unified API is is really something that interested me um, when I was doing this research, and I found a blog post about uh, people looking for featured plugins and. Um, if anyone had ideas, and I saw that there was uh, a message there, and uh, I responded to the guy, and <laughs> his name is Eric Andrew Lewis, and um, he was looking to do some of the same stuff that I wanted to do. Let's look, let's make an API. <laughs> let's all go together. Yay! So we got lots of plug-in developers, and a lot of these... People from this list, I just went and contacted them directly and said, hey, would you be interested in helping out? Would you be interested in providing some feedback? We went through a research phase where we had each plugin developer show off their API and how it works and try to get some ideas. So we're all aware of how everything works, and we put some YouTube videos out and… Um, we did a big research phase and trying to understand how all these different plugins are written. And then we did another side of the research phase where we looked at all the WordPress core APIs and try to figure out, well, what does core have? What's good about these different ones? And we, we did this big brainstorming session and trying to figure out what was good and uh, eventually found this new code base we started working on. And um, we wrote this sort of a, the first metamorphosis, but we, renamed it to metadata because uh, they are saying we shouldn't nickname it so we just call it Meta- metadata uh, the WordPress metadata API slash UI and uh, we tried to tackle both the UI and the API and we also didn't leverage anything from any of the WordPress api's so it was it was sort of like the good things about all these other plugins but we really didn't have much from the the core API so it was um, it was kind of an uphill battle to get it going and get people continuously contributing and uh, eventually I found myself with me and Mike Shinkle and we were the only ones going back and forth and then I ran out of time and then he started working more on it and then I got some more time and he ran out of time so it was just bouncing bounce like a, a lot between all of us um, trying to move it forward and we found ourselves with the problem of oh wait, now we've built all this stuff but we I think we need to step back from this because we've built way too much and <laughs> We're never going to get this to go into core, but this is a cool thing. But it's we're never going to get to go in core, and we're we're just repeating this vicious cycle. Um, so <laughs> Grand yeah, so that, yeah. So we found ourselves in that um, problem, and so what we did was I, I took some uh, I took a break and I um, started brainstorming again, and that's around the time when I started working at Ten Up, and we had someone here at Ten Up was one of the people that had led a release, um, Helen. And she and me started to, dis- started to discuss this hy- hypothetical project. I wanted to move it forward, but I didn't know how best to do it. I needed her input because she's a core committer, so hey, great. So I had some, like a direct line to someone like that. And then we had Drew also from another release, uh, three, 4.1 or 4.2. And um, oh, so yeah. I just leveraged a lot of their knowledge, and eventually I realized we have to completely start from scratch. But the problem, there was no problem in that because we learned so much, we weren't going to lose anything. We were going to rebuild this, but in a more smart and refined way. First off, we were going to not do UI. We weren't going to approach a a unified general UI layer. We were just going to focus on implementations for each screen. So um, the first part of that, though, was what API do we base this off of? Because there's so many APIs, APIs in core. There's so many different options we could build a whole new one. And Helen said, "Hey, why don't we just space it off the customizer? Because the customizer is like really, pretty stable by now, and it's 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 actually pretty easy to use. And for her, it was, and for a lot of people, it was very easy to use. And as I got into it, I found some things we could improve to make it a little easier um, for developers to get into. They don't have to create their own classes every time they want to do do a little customization. So there's a lot of things we built into this structure that I started. And um I just bounced that back and forth between me and Helen for a few months. I got 10 up to fund um a big block of hours on company time for me to work on it for core. So um I did everything lined up and I got it to make it work and at the end of the time I found myself still leaving things out that I needed to get in and so I continued working on it for a few more months and we're at this point right now where um, we need some more core contributor feedback before we move forward because we're about to just get into implementation side. So before we start working on all that stuff and all the pains of making every release merged into ours because everything's based off the customizer API. 4.3 has some changes to the customizer API, so did 4.2. Mm-hmm. Every time there's a release, I have to go through and merge all that stuff in into our side. Because our side actually, um, we have an implementation for the customizer API that sits on top of the fields API. And we've generalized all the things that the customizer API does really well for the fields API. And so we just have it sitting on top and doing some backwards compatibility calls as well as keeping the customizer stuff that's in there that doesn't need to be in the fields API. So every time we have a new release, we have to merge right back in, and that's just a big pain. So I really want to try to get it um, nailed down so we can get it on the on the path to merging into core, so we don't have to keep doing that every every release. <laughs> so, so with you, that
1: being said, what goals would you have? What would you consider um, core fields of success to to get into core? What would the goals um, be?
3: So we built this specs document, and it has lots of information about our scope of the project, and. Um, sort of what the API looks like right now and how the structure is and how it compares to the customizer API. Um, I I think the goal is to get this fields API as it is right now, add some field types to it um, so it's a little bit easier to use because right now we don't have the field types finished out. Um, Get the customizer implementation in there and get the user profile screen implementation in there, which is a new piece of API that doesn't exist. So it was a lot easier to do. and propose so. Basically, it's a user profile implementation which outputs the fields in a heading field, 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 like it is right now on WordPress. So, eventually, in 4.4 4.5, we can then attack a UI overhaul in it and not have to worry about breaking a bunch of stuff or worrying about an API as well on top of that. So, my I think my goal, my personal, what I want to accomplish is get the fields API in it. Into WordPress 4.4 or 4.5, get these two implementations in there. Also, continue working on other implementations, other custom field types, examples. Like, just start filling out the the rest of this so that we, more developers can start using it, um, be able to understand how to use it. Get I'm going to be directly engaging with as many plugin developers as I can to get them to implement it. Um, I've talked to a lot of people. Already have most people on board. There's still some apprehension of whether or not they're going to use it for uh, some of the bigger plugins, um, uh, I emailed one of the developers, and he said recently, this past week, that um, he would implement it as long as his users felt it was worth having that layer on top of the backwards compatible layer of his old stuff. So um, there's there's some some caveats there where you know he may have to at some point require a minimum WordPress version once a built API gets in it, but other authors don't have as big of a problem with that. Um, I, I mean, Pods only supports two or three versions back officially. Um, like the next version of Pods 3.0 is going to have 4.1 and above. So it's not really going to be a, a big thing for us to um, at some point up the version because we want people running the latest version of WordPress anyways. But, but yeah, I guess that's my goal Let's get it into WordPress 4.4, 4.5. Cool. Uh, so one of the failed what
2: are the field types you've got in there at the moment? Like, uh, you'd have media upload, you'd have text box, you'd have text area, like, can you list out the ones that are, those are, like, kind of minimum ones that you want to get into core?
3: Yeah. Because I'm sure there's I lots of people that have. That's a good way yeah. to explain it. Um, yeah, so basically, Customizer has, like, a text field, a text area, a checkbox, video, select, uh, select page, color, upload, image, audio, stuff like that. Um, yep. We want to get things in there as well, like, eventually... Um, once we get some time to put the, put the post type editor or the post editor implementation in place, mm-hmm. I want to take some of that stuff out, like the page templates, um, the tagging, some of that stuff, and pull that into the fields API so it can be better reused in yep. other contexts for developers if they want to build their own plugin screens or whatever settings. Cool. You know, have a tagging field inside your setting screen. It would be great for some things. So um, it could be useful in a lot of different ways to abstract more of this stuff out into this API. Mm. But... Um, I think our main focus is those things, uh, select. Yep. We really want to cover um, multiple content types like posts and stuff like that. Um, yep. So yeah, it's it's kind of a big effort to try to figure out what's the best stuff to get in mm. I definitely want to attack a repeatable field, loop field kind yep. of um, grouping because that is a big thing in a lot of big plugins. And if we don't attack it at the API level, um, even if it's not used in core, I think we'll have bigger problems towards adoption and yep, totally agree. people actually do adopt it. Adopt it. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's gonna be a big headache, so I, I think we're gonna try to attack it as best as possible.
0: I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the repeating field, because I was, I was having a few conversations with the people at Alley this week about that, and how to go and save that, and what the best ways around that would be. Uh, so when we were discussing it, one of the big challenges is maintaining order when you save stuff, while still allowing that data to be queryable because in most repeating fields you're going and you're saving a serializable array, right? Which means yeah. you can't go and query about against stuff unless you're using a like meta query, and lots of times that gets really beefy, especially when you have any kind of substantial data set. So your site's gonna fall over, and that's bad news bears. But there's kind of no way around getting around that while maintaining order unless you're going and saving other data. So if you were to go and save a serialized array to go and which, which is totally fine in some use cases. Let's say you had a gallery and you just want to loop through the data. You're not querying against it, you just want to go and spit it out in that order. Uh, but if you wanted to go and have something where you can search against it, allow that field to be indexable as well and just have another parameter that gets set when you're going and creating your field. So then you have your one field that contains your serialized array as well as going and saving individual meta fields for each of the things that you want to be indexable. So do you have any thoughts on how that would play out and whether that would be something that's feasible for a solution for repeating fields?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's that's the biggest part, really, is storage is is an item of contention with all developers. I've seen developers do it serialized array. I've seen people do a JSON. I've seen them store each individual meta value and store an extra meta value to store the the order. Um, I've seen um, a lot of cases where they have custom tables that they do their own indexing there. So it's 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 kind of all over the place, and I think that's going to be an area we're going to have to lean as as much as possible on the plugin developers and figuring out what is the best thing, and also leverage the side from core is you know we want something performant Metaqueries, queries people don't like meta queries anyways like on VIP you can't really run tax queries or meta queries those sort of things have to be cached if you're if you're ever going to do it so um, it's definitely going to be a big problem for us we'll have to tackle that uh but i think at the api level defining it um i don't think that will be a problem at least in the area of um of actually just defining your configurations so like you'll have you'll be able to define fields and define subfields and define subfields for those and they'll be object-oriented in a way that you can do that but um, I just don't – I don't think we can attack that immediately. I just think we need to um, talk with as many core developers, have, like a, have a big item on the core agenda to tackle this. Once, once people have accepted Fields API and ha- have it – yeah, we're going to get it into core. Core contributors are all on board. This is the schedule, whatever. We need to get that figured out as well because if we can do anything before it's actually implemented – We want to enable people to do that. And also backwards compatibility, we want to definitely make it extensible. So if people are doing it in other ways, keep it available for them to be able to do that and at least override it for their own field types. So that's definitely going to be um, a thing.
2: Yeah. Can I throw that question back at you, Tom, because uh, yes. Ali Interactive obviously have their custom fields plug-in on um, WordPress VIP, so I've had to use it before, but I didn't actually go into the internals to see how you guys did repeatable metaboxes, so how do you do it in
0: your fields um, plugin? because on VIP? It is very similar to what I just described. Uh, we also, in, We have repeating fields that are available in Field Manager, and you can also have repeating field groups. So now you have fields within a group that are being repeated. So you're kind of getting into that, um, what's that movie? Inception. You're sort of hitting Inception inception right there. Uh, So what we allow is you can define a certain field that is indexable. So like maybe you only want the title of your field group thing to be indexable. So then you're not going and saving a billion fields for each group that's occurring, only the ones that have to be indexed itself as well as going and storing everything in a serialized array so that all of that data is easily grabbable, but if you wanted to go and query against that title field, it's available.
3: Cool. Yeah, Tom, you gotta show me that code. I want to take a look at it. Happy to. (laughs) I haven't seen that yet, so that'd be really cool to see how someone's done that. Um, For pods, we do it, uh, we store, well, we don't have repeatable uh, groups yet or fields. Um, That's coming in 3.0 with our CMB2 integration, but um, we store relationships in a way that we store IDs in each in their own meta values, and then we have another underscore protected meta value that has a um, has a, just an array of those IDs, the same IDs, but in the order that they should be. Mm. So that way you can still uh, order them and reorder them, but you'd also get the ability to do meta queries against them and not have to worry about as much craziness.
0: So it's like post meta metadata. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You actually just skipped over something there, Scott. Um, you mentioned CMB2, which is WebDev's um, project for custom field stuff. So how are you integrating it with pods? Because there'd be a lot of overlap, wouldn't there, between the two yeah. projects?
3: Um, we've got questions from people saying, well, why don't we just use CMB2? Or does pods replace CMB2? Or hmm. um, aren't you just duplicating all your code? All that sort of stuff. And I think it, this, the idea of using CMB2 and integrating it with pods stemmed from this all this work and I wanted to do something uh, for the next version of Pods, which is the major Pods Um, Mm 3.0. And uh, we've been talking about it for weeks, trying to get some stuff nailed down for a couple of fixes we need to get into it. But basically what we're going to do is we're going to rip out all of our custom code um, for our forms UI stuff and implement CMB2. And doing that, will be saving a lot of time on our bugs. Uh, We'll be able to collaborate on future enhancements, features, and, and bugs that do occur. Um, yep. and you know we will expand our team with cmp2 being the field's ui stuff and then pods being the main core of pods yep. so we'll have a lot more um ability to do more we'll cut a lot of our bugs down because there's a lot of stuff that we want to do that it feels like we're in a vacuum you know just yep. like everyone else in their own apis we're going to add this feature hey someone else add that feature over there but now we got to do it for us and so yeah. if we get it to CMB2, we'll have access to all the other people, all the other people's work that they've done already, which has been out for years now, and um, we'll also get access to the developer team, and um, we'll be able to say, hey, you want to export your code from Pods into CMB2? You can. So you'll be able to export that stuff and not have to have Pods installed, and you could still use CMB2 if you want to just use Pods as your um, sort of your structure designer schema stuff. So you could do that.
2: It's really cool, like a coalition of plugins.
3: Yeah, it's starting That's out cool. with these two. It's, it's sort of like the uh, idea behind how Drupal has been integrating all of the Symfony 2 components. Um, yep. Just sort of ripping out some of that stuff because, you know, we're better as a team, better as a group, better to support each other. And uh, CMB2 will be implementing the Fields API as well, so we don't have to go change back to the Fields API once this is all done. Yeah,
0: Ooh, you cool. mentioned that you were storing IDs for... Uh, maintaining relationships. So I was wondering how uh, that's been going with 4.3 now completing the term splitting timeline. Because yeah. now many of those IDs are split and now they have to change when, during the update process or hopefully before the update occurs.
3: Yeah, um, so what happens is um, WordPress, like you said, it does split all the terms. It's been splitting since 4.2 and um, but the, the idea of everything being split and storing IDs in the database in a meta value, which is not split from WordPress core. Um, we just basically add some hooks to the term splitting, um, action and we do our thing on our side. We have our own pods relevant, uh, sorry, par, pods r- relationship table that we have as an optional thing, which it's optionally disabled. So we enable it by default, but, um, essentially it's an indexed table with the ability to go up and down relationships and, um, we changed it all there. We also changed all the meta values, all that stuff. We just run it. So it's just a process. Um, dealing with, we just had a project where someone had a bunch of term IDs related to, but they didn't upgrade pods in time for the hooks. So a lot of things were stuck, but the WordPress core does store all the split terms that it has split already. So we, we just are working on some code to um, fix that up for someone, which basically just reruns those hooks for that. But um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's just basically running hooks. I've actually looked at some code from other plugins. Um, I think Advanced Custom Fields doesn't necessarily go change them right away. It just filters every time you do a uh, a term call, like basically a related field for a term. It'll check to see if those terms have been split and then change the IDs on output or usage. Um, it only updates the IDs on updating, I think. So yeah, so it's, it doesn't do a proactive kind of migration for you.
0: And core is storing those uh, changed IDs in the options table, right? Uh,
3: Yep, yep, just a big serialized array for each taxonomy.
0: Gotcha. I wanted to move back a little bit to what you were saying before when you first started getting into the core fields API initiative. And you mentioned how you started out with using customizer and you wrote a bunch of code, which sounds a lot like what was happening with metamorphosis on its outset, where you wrote a whole bunch of code and then you realized that things got pretty big. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you realize that you had to step back and it was better to approach it from a spec doc first rather than with thousands of lines of code?
3: Um, so just to clarify on that side, um, metamorphosis, we took a pause and we said, hey, we're way far uh, where we don't want to be. So we eventually said, um, we just need to sit back and simplify this because this is just out of hand. So I think the point where we realized that was... Um, when we started getting into too many things being dynamic and um, over-engineering, I think we ended up over-engineering some stuff. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to over-engineer because it's great to have that flexibility. But at some point, you're over-engineering into a, a place where um, it's just not as productive as time spent in other places. Um, it's also slower in some time in some ways um, than just static HTML, you can over-engineer and make an HTML object and add attributes and stuff all with PHP, which is great, but it's sometimes it's just better for a static string and you just output the attributes like that. So, yep, so stuff like that. Um, and then the latest spec doc for the fields API, uh, we didn't necessarily hit a point where we had to worry about what we were doing being too much. It's just more so, are we on the right track? Because... Um, We're waiting for a lot of uh, input from the core developers and contributors and committers and leads and stuff, so as soon as we get some more feedback from them and that we're in the right direction, we'll be able to push forward a lot faster. Um, I don't want to spend too much time because I'm about to (laughs) request from my company another chunk of time for core. Um, We get chunks of time every six months, so it's great. Um, uh, But basically, I want to do that and spend it wisely because my time outside of work is greatly reduced with family so uh, I don't want to get into the point where I'm building a bunch of stuff I spend 20 or 30 hours on this and then realize um, this is completely the wrong direction I have to refactor it whatever so I want to make sure at least the API as it is right now are we on the right direction should we base it off customizer API should are we doing this implementation thing right um, are we doing? Uh, our storage of the fields right, you know, lots of things that we want to make sure are right from the get-go as opposed to me losing a bunch of time to the ether.
2: <laughs> so who's on the actual team with you, Scott, there, and, and when do you have your core meetings and how do people follow along and things like that so you can get more hands on deck?
3: Uh, right now, I uh, guess co-lead slash core mentor is Helen. Um, she's basically been a godsend to the whole project, um, and <laughs> basically making it so it's actually legit. <laughs> um, and so it, it's been me and her. We've got lots of contributors that are very interested in contributing and helping, but at, the, at this point we don't have anything really officially nailed down like someone's like an officially part of the component team or whatever. So it's um, – it's not super nailed down yet. We we want to get this part done so we can then say, okay, hey contributors, go build field, field classes, field type classes, go build the go build implementation. So we'll be able to divvy out a lot more stuff um, at this after this is done. But uh, you can find us in the meetings every Monday at two p.m. Central. Um, I forgot what UTC that is. <laughs> Sixteen or I don't I have no idea. I don't. I'm not good at time zones.
0: We should get rid of those. Um, <laughs> yeah. We don't need time
3: zones. <laughs> I <understand> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so yeah, so it's every Monday. Um, it's, uh, and I also, um, I'm always in Slack in the, the core fields channel. That's where we have our meetings. Uh, but you can always ping me there or anywhere else. I'm practically everywhere. Um, very easy to approach and ask questions. And if you have any concerns, you want to contribute, you have time, uh, feel free to hit us up.
0: So yeah, Ali just recently started allocating uh, development to go and spend on core projects, which has been super awesome because this month they've given me about like 12% of my time to go and hang out and work on the core fields uh, initiative, which is awesome. And cool. it's cool that it's at such an early phase to be able to do that. So I think it's great that more companies are starting to go and uh, take take seriously that 5% time that Matt uh, suggested way back when, and I think it's just good for the community overall. Uh, but how does it work in 10Up when uh, people want to go and get a chunk of their time spent for uh, core allocation?
3: Um, at 10Up, we don't do it per person as much as it is by merit. So um, some people are just really involved in core stuff and so they can get some time to work in core every week. Um, depends on It really depends on the person to person. Like some people are 100% core. Like I know we just had two people go like 100% core recently or something like that so it's it's uh it's pretty cool when when you see that cuz i get excited like oh maybe me one day <laughs> um but uh, i think a lot of it's still like you know we have to make sure we pay the bills but um, some people it's just much easier to siphon that off into like whole people as, as a company to have them just do 100% stuff cuz it's hard to jump between project work and, and, and core stuff mm-hmm. if anyone's ever done that at a company, you'll know that you'll have two or three hours of core one week, and then that two or three hours of core is gone for weeks because you'll be on a project and something happens and you're behind, or maybe you just need to get ahead, or maybe it's just a very confusing thing or a fire or whatever. So there's always going to be things that stop you. Whereas if you're like actually saying I'm 100% core, you're 100% core or contributing or uh, community stuff. So it's a lot easier when you've got, you know. 100%. <laughs> it's just a lot harder when you're just 5% or even a few hours. I mean, Matt Mullenweg is great at, at saying we should do that. I think that's great, but um, if you think about it per person, like 5% of a week or 5% of a, a month or whatever, it's it's a lot harder to attack if you're just doing it as a percent of someone's time, for sure.
0: Especially since that time doesn't add directly to the bottom line. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So yeah, I, guess, I suppose you're right in that it's a lot easier to Qualify and quantify it when you can just say that this person's hours are written off from contributing to the bottom line.
3: Yeah. And, and I mean, it doesn't necessarily, like in our, our, our case, a lot of our people who are now core um, or community focused, uh, we still talk to them often. We, we still involve them in a lot of communications. They're still in the engineering rooms asking questions or, or helping answer questions. So it's, we're still, we're not completely. Pushing them away from actual project work. It's just um, we may consult with them, saying, "Hey, we need to figure out a good way to attack this core." Or, "Hey, we have another core project we want to sort of build a client for because we can build, make a feature and then make a plugin out of it or whatever." So, yeah, it's it's definitely um, it's great to have a, a resource that a single resource you can always hit up, um, like I hit up Helen whenever I have questions about stuff, and she's pretty great. So,
1: so Tom, how does Allie handle that as well? Do you have to approach? for that time, or do they kind of say, okay, this is what we want to focus on, we will, you know, they pick something and then allocate that time?
0: It's been pretty interesting, because, I mean, we haven't been doing core uh, work or assigning people to core projects for a long period of time or anything, so it's sort of new ground for us. Uh, So a lot of it was who's contributing to what, who has an interest in something, and what kind of initiatives are positives for the company in a business sense over the long term. So like since we use our field manager plugin for basically every project under under the sun that we're working on, uh, it's important to us that the data is saved in a way that's easily handled from project to project and from migrating from field manager to whatever the core fields API is. So like our field manager plugin will adopt the core fields API as soon as it drops in core. Uh, we just want to understand and know that we'll be able to use that data without major hiccups occurring. I mean, writing a a migration script is fine, and, like, that has to happen a lot of times for any big changes that occur anyway, but just having data be accessible in all the use cases that we need it to be, it it was definitely a major reason that Ali decided that we should go and have someone contributing to the core fields API project.
1: Very cool. So, Scott, how, how has your experience been with the features as a plug-in model?
3: Um, you know, there's always going to be issues there. Um, I, I've always had trouble getting contributors or getting um, keeping them and, and managing it, you know, with maybe a few hours a week. Uh, it's always it's a, a bit of a struggle to have a feature as a plug-in, um, I think, uh, except for some cases where you're already, already an established contributor to WordPress. For me, this is my first biggest comp... Like biggest contribution, um, those have those who have had those con- contributions. They have name recognition and a lot easier to just collaborate with the core people. I I just know a few core people like pretty well. I I but I don't talk to them every day and I don't necessarily necessarily think they um, I don't want to bug them. <laughs> so like uh, it's it's just kind of hard to run a, a feature as a plugin um, project, but I think it's rewarding if you can. Get the right people in place to help you along the way. Um, it's a lot easier. Like if, like for instance, if someone, if me, two years ago or three years ago, started to try to do this, I probably would not have any luck because I really, well, even like when I first started out with WordPress, I wanted to build a feature and I'd love to contribute contribute it back, but I have no idea how WordPress itself runs and how to do t- tr- tickets. I used to use Track for support sometimes, so I, you know, I was I was just starting out, I didn't know what to do, so. Um, I think it's, it's definitely, it's been a ride for sure. Um, at least up to this point, you know, pretty, uh, lots of turmoil and trying to make it past the, uh, it's almost like starting a business, you know, you, you have, uh, the first couple of years and a lot of people drop off I and mean, that's sort of like a core feature plugin. Um, but a lot of cases, a core feature plugin usually starts, with some sort of consensus of yes, we should get this into core. Um, so there's not as much drop-off, but like things like content blocks or um, I forgot what it was called. It was a really cool feature um, plugin. I don't know if Mel Choice built it, but I know she was involved heavily or whatever. So it's uh, I think it's just a big, pretty cool project, but it just never got anywhere because they didn't have enough time to do it. They couldn't find contributors, and they just had other things to do. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a problem.
1: <laughs> how, I think how, actually
3: – go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, how how would you recommend somebody that's just getting started that, you know, like like the two, three years ago you, how would you suggest somebody just get ramping up with that?
3: Um, I think you really need a mentor. Uh, mentors really helped me, um, having Helen around to be able to – Say, am I doing this right? Should I be posting this message into Core? Can you look over the post? Um, can you tell me if I'm on the right track with this? Uh, hey, I'm about to make a, a choice here. Is this right for Core? You know, just being able to have someone to talk to—it's great to find someone like that. Even if they're even if they're not a Core like committer, like if just someone in WordPress that you know and respect, someone that you know um, contributes to Core and understands everything. Just reach out to them and see if you can ask them some questions. Uh, most of the time, people will just say yes. Um, you know, that's the the thing about this community is we're very, very open and very willing to help people along. Um, I mean, I Pods. I don't know how many people I've helped with Pods. I've done a lot of support with Pods over the years, and I've helped so many people, and it's just really rewarding. But I, I did it all for free. You know, it's a free plugin. It's not like I'm making money. It's like I, I mean, I've spent more money than I've I've had donated or sponsored. Really, I've spent tons of money on it, it's more than I should have. So. Um, in my time and other people's time and everything so it's just um, I think you know, it's just part of our ethos we just, we're just we very open people <clears throat>
0: just
3: approach someone and ask and you'll see you probably get help
0: I definitely agree with your points on it being tough to gain a little bit of traction in the very beginning with feature plugins but at the same time the flip side of that is if something goes into core then it's much harder to have any traction after it goes into core itself if it hasn't gained that initial attraction to begin with. I think the best example of that would be the post formats because that didn't start its life as a a feature plugin, right? It just entered into core and then we were stuck with whatever choices had been made there. And since then, almost no progress has been made on it because we're kind of locked into that backwards compatibility issue type stuff and it's very hard to go and advance beyond that. Whereas if it were a feature plugin, then all of those things that people dislike about post formats could have been ironed out and fixed before it dropped into core.
3: Yeah, I mean that that's a big concern for us doing the field API is like we really want to get it right. That's why we're doing we're waiting for someone, to, a bunch of people to, to tell us how, how it is for them in, in terms of core developers and stuff. Like I've got nothing but plus ones, but I want some negative ones. Like I want to see what are the issues you see? What are the problems? What are the things we're facing here? So I'm looking for those. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, that's a big thing to face. Like, post-formats is like one of those uh, gypsy trailers. You know, you don't know if you should approach it or not. Um, I don't know. Just weird analogy, I guess.
0: <laughs> uh, that's definitely yeah. funny, though. It's like any comment is appropriate when it comes to post-formats, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe someday post-formats will be beautiful. Who knows? But so you're in talking... terms of... Oh, sorry. Talk Go for about.
2: it, man. In terms of the managing the project scott um is the github repo the best one for people to go and have a look at the uh, wordpress dash fields dash api which we'll link to in the show notes
3: yeah it's uh, it's on my github account it's yeah wordpress dash fields dash api it's still in progress we've got some things we want to do um check out the issues if you want to see some of the things we're focusing mm-hmm. on next um i want to get it so it's easier to test like so you can just install it as a plugin and it's all mm-hmm. encapsulated because right now you still have to copy some files in the core for uh, the customizer API implementation. Yeah, But, um, yeah, there's a lot of cool things in it that we want to uh, tackle. So if anyone wants to contribute and has time like, um, <clears throat> Tom, Tom, <laughs> uh, <laughs> definitely keep in our Slack room and I would love to make you a big part of it. Um, you know, there's no one I would turn away if you have time and, uh, have the drive, and we're all on the same page.
0: There's one GitHub issue I wanted to touch on since you mentioned GitHub issues, uh, and that's the one where you asked for people to basically announce their support or intention to go and use core fields within their plugins, which seems to be one of those areas where people can go and voice their minus ones as well. Yeah. Uh, has, has there been any uh, holdout, I guess, people saying, no, I don't think this is a good idea, other than the one that you mentioned earlier?
3: Yeah, That the other one, is the most popular custom fields plugin. and I, I wasn't going to name it or make it official because he's holding off and that's fine. saying it <laughs> until 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 he sees the API and sees how much of trouble it will be to do a backwards compatible layer and stuff. But um, I think as a whole, um, I really haven't heard any negative. Like, no, I have not heard a no. Straight no, I haven't heard anything. So um, that's great for me, but also worrying because I want to know whether or not that would be a problem for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most of the time um, you might get confused in whether or not it's a no as in no, we don't have time, versus no as like this API just does not, is crap. So um, I would like to know more of the people who would say no, we don't like it, we don't want to do it this way, we want to do this way, we, this won't support this, or this won't support that. We need to know that now for mm-hmm. exactly the reason why Tom mentioned Because if it gets in the core, we're going to have a lot more trouble changing things. Adding filters, sure, no problem. Adding some enhancements, sure. But changing things, we're locked into the backwards compatibility mode of has to be backwards compatible. And it has to have some way of, um, you know, supporting people who have used it since day one. And that's, sometimes it's a big pain, but if we can get that nailed down, that'd be great.
0: Oh, that's a good point. It's not even the no that matters, it's why it's no. (laughs) And what has to happen for that no to change into maybe...
3: So I haven't gotten any no's yet, even from people who said they don't have time to do it. So um, I guess that's good. <laughs> Just waiting for the, the the hammer to drop from uh, the core team. Figure out what you know. What they say. Like, what, what would Mark Jaquith do, or what would Nason say? Lots of people that would I would super respect. I would want to know their opinions. So looking for that.
0: Cool. So where can people find you online? What's your website, blog, Twitter? I don't use internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh,
3: uh, ScottKClark.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is ScottKClark. pod site is pods.io. Um, that compare uh, spreadsheet is comparewp.org slash um, Yeah, all, Pretty much easy to reach anywhere at any time. Um, always in Slack. Always in the pod Slack, WordPress Slack post status slack you know I'm in the cool places
1: where the cool kids hang out
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason you have any other questions
1: um, what about just one what What about widget fields since you were saying before about um, you know if it's accepted it's harder are we going to try to push that into that initial push out
3: I would love to tackle with widget fields that's an area that like it's, it's Widgets really suck right now. Um, if you're building like custom widgets, because you have to build your own forms, and if you've ever messed with these forms, this the way the fields get, you get the field value and a lot of stuff. You're, you're going to run into so many issues because you have to build the same form every time, and um, it just I don't really care about the output, but the forms themselves and the saving, it's just mun- very mundane. Um, just you sometimes you don't even want to touch it because you just know it's going to be yep. hard. Well, not really hard, but just like meaning menial. So um, I think it would be really great to attack that with the Fields API implementation. Um, I think it makes perfect sense to. I don't know, like, out the gate, but I think it'd be really great to to tackle it uh, in a future implementation. I I also, like I said, I want to do the core implementations, but I also want to focus at the same time, push some people off on the different sides and also get these other implementations going because if we can get those other ones going and maybe they're ready before we it, um, do the actual feature merge. Maybe we'll get some other ones in there. Or um, you know, maybe we'll get some plugins for people to use and use until it's in core. And so, you know, a lot of people will say, well, if you have a feature, you get a feature as a plugin, see how many people install it, see how many people actually like it. And that could be a great way to have people test it. So um, I would love to add widget fields as a plugin. I um, would love to add um, menu fields as a plugin. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> things like that would just be great to uh, to siphon off and not have to worry about the worry of is it going to get into core, will it make it into core, Are We should we, you know, have to take it out now, or what do we have to do to it, and all that stuff, so it's just easier not to worry about it and just have it as its own little side project so that it'll be ready to go whenever it's ready.
0: I think that'll be kind of the beauty of it since every context is going to be its own class, right? So anyone can go and write their own unique context for it, whether it be Term taxonomy, which should probably get handled by the plugin at some point in the future, I would imagine. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah, for sure. I built the API. I don't know if... Well, a lot of people have seen it yet, but uh, the API itself, the context is in, like, terms or posts, et cetera. That's not built into object classes. They're um, all hookable, so you can support your own um, object types. Like, I've talked to Forms, um Uh, pods, uh, lots of different options like Caldera forms, um, whatever. Anyone that is building objects with fields of any sort, even if they're not for post types, they can build their own control structures with this same API. So we can build our pods, um, we can build our fields, the field options, everything that we actually define for these people. We can build our own control structures for our own internal content types, which is a really cool thing because it's not just for core, it's also not just for the core stuff or plugins, it's like, it's really for anything. It's a fields API, you can throw it on whatever task.
2: Awesome. Cool, well I think that brings the show to an end. Thanks so much for your time, Scott, and thanks very much for leading this project too as well, because it's something we definitely need in core, so once it's in there, it's going to be fantastic. So thanks for taking the reins. Um, People know where to find you, we'll put in a few links in the show notes. Um... And obviously, yeah, if Scott can get any help at all, um, feedback, positive, negative, um, especially the negative for him, because <laughs> he's a bit worried about that, he's made it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'll just uh, talk about the other two
0: hosts. Where can people find you online, Tom? Uh, Tom Harrigan on Twitter, Thomas Harrigan online, uh, AliInteractive.com for Ali, and there AliDev Ali does on Twitter. Uh, those are the big places I'm at. Uh, Tom Press on YouTube. Cool, awesome, and what about you, Jason?
1: Um, res.com with three Zs and at Res on Twitter and can be found uh, also at WPFieldGuides.com.
2: Awesome. Cool. And yeah, I'm Bronson Quick. You can find me on Twitter at Bronson Quick. Um, we'll have another show next Monday. Uh, I think we've got Dan Norris. Is that correct, Jason?
1: Yes. Yes, we do. Yep.
2: We've got Dan Norris talking next week, and um, you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Twitter, uh, and go to WPDevTable.com to catch up on past episodes. And um, thanks for watching. Many thanks to Scott's wife, too.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All the (laughs) thanks.
0: Cool. Thanks a bunch for coming on, Scott. appreciate it. No problem at all. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Have a good one.